Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, and welcome to Not So Linear, a podcast that's here to help normalise conversation around grief and help you feel less alone in your own journey. I'm your host, Tamsin, and each week I'll be interviewing some amazingly strong people who share their own stories on how they've navigated life after loss. But don't worry, we'll talk plenty about finding happiness, what inspires us and helps us to grow. And whilst none of our journeys are so linear, what we do know is that it's better to get through it together. Hey listeners, welcome to the very first episode of my podcast, Not So Linear, where I tell my own grief story. In this episode, I'm interviewed by the lovely Catherine Hooker, who I met through the Dead Parent Club podcast. We talk openly and honestly about the death of my mum and how it's impacted my own mental health. But now I've gone on to find my happy place here in Sydney, Australia, and using my experience to help other people. You can find all of our social media details by subscribing and checking out the show notes. Introduce yourself, who you are, where you're from. I'm Tamsin. I am currently 28, but probably by the time this episode goes out live, I'll be 29. Happy future birthday. (laughs) Thank you. I now live in Sydney, but I'm originally from the UK, so not too far from you. Grew up in a place called the Wirral, and then I lived in Manchester for probably like the last eight years. But I moved out to Sydney in March 2019 and been here ever since which is quite exciting. I love the fact that a lot of people say that like once you've passed like 25, traveling isn't an option anymore, like your life ends, blah, blah, blah. I love the fact that obviously you're just (laughs) the fact that that's just bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I did it. So it was my 27th birthday and then I just went and quite exciting. Um, I'd already traveled the East Coast of Australia before. I had a bit of time to travel when I first got here back in March last year, but obviously then the borders have been closed for the last 12 months. So I've really been in New South Wales. Luckily, it's a very nice place and (laughs) sunny a lot of the time. But yeah, I've not done as much traveling as I would have liked. Well, we'll go into that a lot more later. I think it's super interesting that you're obviously in Sydney now, but you're obviously a part of the Dead Parent Club, unfortunately. Can you please introduce us, just a brief introduction to your own grief story? Yeah, so my mum died when I was 18 now, had to think then, back in 2010. And it's quite a complicated story, to be honest. So the reason why I found my grief so complex, because we didn't have a relationship for, let's say, the last two or three years of her life. My mum sadly had um, quite bad mental health, but we didn't really know at the time. And back then, I wouldn't say mental health was a very big part of people's lives or conversation, was it? We didn't really talk about it at all. So... We didn't see our mum for a good few years. My mum and dad got divorced when I was very young anyway. So I spent a lot of my time growing up, moving between, you know, both parents' houses, sometimes with my siblings, sometimes not. It was, you know, just quite a unconventional time. Very disjointed, yeah. Yeah, very disjointed. And by the time I was about 16, my mum had essentially cut herself out of our life. She didn't really want to be a part of it anymore. She was living down south in Windsor and I was in the Wirral with the rest of my family. 
But as time went by, we realized that, okay, this isn't normal. We need to maybe go and check on her and see what's happening. So my brother went to go and see her and yeah, she wasn't in a good state. She'd been, they basically got her section under the mental health act and she had delusional disorder. So she stayed in a mental health ward for, must've been a good few months but, you know, this was in a really important stage of my life because I was doing my A-levels. I was doing my final exams at school. You're trying so, to become an adult yourself, aren't you? Yeah. And like I hadn't had my mum there for a lot of my teenage life. Mm. And then suddenly I'm trying to focus on what's, you know, going to help unlock the next stage of my life, doing my exams, getting ready for university. And this was all happening. But I put myself first because I had to. I thought my mum had neglected me. I didn't realise how much of it, of like what had happened was due to her illness. Yeah, but you also have to put yourself... Like, imagine if you hadn't... Like, it's exactly. such a difficult yeah. situation. That must have been really hard for you. It's like... Yeah. Such a, you're so young as well at that age, aren't you? You think you're not, but you are. <laughs> you think you're so old, don't you? But, yeah, she was diagnosed. She was there for a few months, but she started taking medication and being a bit better, so they let her go home. And literally, probably like... I can't remember, maybe two months after she'd been let out, we started to get ready for her to maybe re-enter our life again. Mm. Um and I was a bit nervous. I was like, I haven't seen my mum for such a long time. I'm a bit scared. Mm. But this was inevitable. She was going to maybe come back to the Wirral and live with my oh, granny wow. for a bit of time. And I, I was preparing for that, basically. And even, yeah. even that felt weird because it had been like I'd grieved for my mum already. She wasn't dead, yeah. but I'd grieved that kind of loss in my life. That like mother-daughter relationship. That's yeah, so important as well. exactly. And actually, it's one thing I've realised through, you know, being part of this grief community. You can grieve for something that, they might not be dead, but, you know, they've yeah. become somebody different through Alzheimer's yeah. or mental illness. But unfortunately, what happened was a couple of months later, she got pneumonia just randomly. And this is the part of the story that starts to get a bit strange. she I don't know whether it was a nurse that was coming to visit her or somebody had been in her apartment block, but they'd actually found her unconscious in her bed. Mm. Um, and she'd been there maybe for one or two days with pneumonia so they took her to hospital and at this point it was literally during my exams like I was literally just about to start them so my family this isn't bad I don't I don't hold it against them but they didn't really tell me the full truth and my sister was doing her GCSEs as well Mm. so we just carried on. I thought my mum was going to get better because I said to my older brother, um, oh, you know, is she, is she going to be out of hospital soon? And he was like, yeah, she'll probably be in there for two weeks. Deep down, he knew that actually this was a lot more severe. I did manage to get all my exams done. Thank God. That's but, um, yeah, that is a good thing. And then literally the day after I'd finished my like main A-level, I think I just had general studies left and no one wants to do that exam anyway. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I actually got out of that exam, which is quite funny. Oh, nice. But, <laughs> that's a positive. Um, my brother came home from work early. He was only a couple of years older than me. I think he must have been about 23. And he walked into the kitchen when I was having my breakfast and he looked at me and I could just tell by the look on his face it was a bit like what you said you know when you had that conversation with your dad my heart sank and he said we need to go and see mum she's really not well and I had this heart sinking moment and I just said to him is she going to die and Mm. I think I don't know if I'm making this up but I think he just was like yes all Mm. I just remember is me saying is she going to die and like the realization that I'm not going to have to go in a four-hour car journey to go and see my mum and I'd not Mm. talked to her for so long when was the last time you'd seen her before this oh it was when you were about 16 
Yeah, so maybe two, two and a half years before. And at that point as well, I didn't enjoy seeing her. I did feel like she had become a completely different person to the mum that I remembered being like a younger child. She completely yeah. changed. But you, at the time, you don't think it's a mental health condition. You just think you don't, it's really really like yeah, yeah, you didn't realise. Exactly. So that that day that I had to go down and see her was extremely traumatic because I was given the opportunity to go in to see her in intensive care. And I walked in with my granny. She's no longer alive now, but that was my mum's mum. She held my hand and we both walked in together and she hadn't seen her for even longer time than me. It was just one of those moments where you think, I don't really know what to say or do. And we just kind of sat there in silence. It must have just been so surreal. And I think even though I know you said that, like, you know, you kind of grieved like your mum before she died you didn't know she was going to die. So you also kind of no. thought there's still there's still a future where we might be able to build something. Yeah, like, definitely. And, that's, and that was just taken away. It's so, yeah. so, so abruptly as well. It's so abruptly. And, and it's what was kind of sad is like, she we could have helped her with her mental health. She could have maybe got round from it. She might have, to be honest, without sounding horrible, she could have been a bit of a negativity to our life, but she still would have been alive. And we could have tried to help her, but it was just so unfortunate the way that it all took a big turn again and the circumstances were just so unbelievable you couldn't imagine that that would just happen so quickly yeah yeah, that's what happened and um, the thing is I wouldn't say I actually grieved at that time I think I was genuinely in shock that was coming into the summer holidays and as you know once you finish your A-levels it's I went to my prom I went on a holiday yeah partying holidays with my friends for a lot of the time for me, whenever I mixed alcohol with grief, like mm-hmm. in those months afterwards, did you ever have any kind of, you know, those actually, moments when you're absolutely hammered and you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there definitely was a few. I remember being in Freshers Week, actually. So again, very okay, strange. Yeah. It's like a, it was almost like an opportunity to reinvent myself. So a lot of the time mm-hmm. when I started university, I didn't talk about my mum, but I do remember in Freshers Week, obviously you're drinking so much every single night partying and I just remember bursting into tears to these girls and saying oh um my mum died literally like three months ago and they just looked at me in shock and I don't think they knew what to say so some of those people I opened up to in the first couple of weeks but then what I did was probably the wrong thing where if I didn't mention it to people in the first couple of months I almost just blocked it out and never talked about it and it became this thing I just didn't talk about so for the first few years, I think I was just distracted with meeting all these new people, mm-hmm. having fun, relationships, starting new jobs. And I didn't think about it or really talk about it. What about with your family? Did you did you talk to your family about it at all? Or was it literally just um, something that you, you probably all find it so painful that you just wanted to kind of brush it under the yeah, carpet? I think so. So with like my dad, it's different because he wasn't with my mum. He has a new partner and two children with them. So it was more like it was a thing for me and my brother and my sister and my auntie to mm. talk about. With my auntie, I found it quite easy. And mm. she knew my mum the most. So actually, that was quite helpful. With my brother and sister at the beginning, we didn't talk about it. And I think, you know, I've, I've had a conversation with Beth French as well. We've done an episode together. It's very hard to talk to your siblings when you know how painful it is you don't want to upset them and also it's so personal that at that time I just I don't think I knew what to say and we didn't Mm -hmm. have that close relationship with our mum so we didn't we didn't really know how to bond over it I think well I'm guessing that happened then so after all these years passed then what was the point when you were just like 
I haven't grieved for this. Like my like my my teenage years with my mom, the future relationship I didn't get with my mom. Like there's just so much that you didn't get the chance to grieve for. Yeah. Do you know what? I can't really explain why it was triggered or why it suddenly happened, but it was probably, I was probably 25, 26. I think it was when I had more time in my life to kind of think about things. Things were slowing down. People were getting a bit more like settled in relationships, but I was single. And I think I realized I've used a lot of relationships in the past to kind of be my emotional crutch always picking the wrong boyfriend, always picking someone that made my self-esteem better. Mm. But this time I decided, right, I'm going to be single. I'm going to be by myself and focus on me. And that's Mm. when I actually think it triggered it because I had more time. I can't explain why, but I I put my finger on that being kind of what was a trigger. I think time by yourself is so important. Like it's so easy to be distracted by the people around you. And to just not not actually focus on like what's going on inside it is so yeah. easy. Yeah, I, it was like I had all this whirlwind of stuff happening in the first couple of years that when I suddenly took the time to rest, I was like, oh my god, there's so many problems and emotions mm. I haven't even worked through yet. Mm. And the way I would explain it is, I got myself into you know or people talk about the stages of grief. I think I suddenly became in that stage of loneliness where you felt quite isolated. And I didn't have any friends really that had lost parents. So I didn't know who to reach out to. But especially as mine was so complicated, I almost think people didn't reach out because they thought, well, you didn't see your mum anyway. So it's not really any different. Like, do you think there was like, like even with your friends or people that you told, like, I bet they were just like, oh, it mustn't have been that bad for you because you you weren't that close to her. And I don't want to put my friends down because, of course, they're all amazing. It's more that they never met my mum, actually. So when I was at secondary I started secondary school I moved back from the south back to the Wirral with my dad so all my secondary school my mum wasn't really a part of my life so much anyway Mm. so my friends didn't know my mum either so for them that was probably quite a hard thing to grasp I look back now and think that's so weird (laughs) for the time it's quite normal for me yeah Um, yeah I think some people saw it as like a chapter was closing for me because it was so difficult dealing with that unconventional relationship anyway but to me it was a chapter that I never wanted to close if I could open it and have it different I would and you know I I don't know if you feel the same too but I often do feel a bit bitter and maybe in the past this is where it came about I felt angry that other people had a moment I didn't and why did I why did we have to deserve that like why did we not get the chance of having a mum till we're 50 or 60? But I do have very supportive friends. And I think as time's gone by, those that are really close to me have realised that actually I do need more help and I do need them to ask me every so often. I don't want it to be that we don't talk about it. Mm. But it's hard, isn't it? Because I bet at the time, like you said, like after your mum died, you you actively wanted to brush it under the carpet as well so yes. if they had have approached you during that time you probably would have been like I'm fine yeah it doesn't like I don't want to talk about it so I think it, it definitely with grief isn't it you do have to take you have to take your own path with it so a lot of people say like and I, I'm one of them I'm like you've got to talk about it like straight away you've got to open up but it's so much easier said than done mm-hmm. and I think it, it really is important it is important to talk but I think you do have to kind of take it in your own time because there's no yeah. point in forcing yourself to talk if you're not ready is there yeah, exactly. And this is what happened when I was in that kind of phase. I think it was about 2018 when this was all happening, when I suddenly became my grief lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> the grief and, 
Yeah, I just suddenly started talking about it to people at work. But I'd been in that company for a few years and people didn't even, some people didn't even know that my mum had died. And I just one day just started talking about it and getting quite emotional and quite upset. And mm. I look back now and I do actually think I was quite depressed. Yeah. I was at a point in my life where I felt lonely, isolated, and I didn't know how to handle myself. I just felt emotionally exhausted. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever gone through that feeling before, but it was literally mm. like I was waking up every day tired, going to yeah. bed tired, but then I couldn't sleep. And then same thing every it's day. It's such a vicious circle. And do you know what's quite interesting? I, I talked to my sister yesterday. We're a lot more open about this now. And I, we were talking in preparation for this episode because I said, hey, I really want to get your input into what did you think I was like at that time when I was going through my grief? Mm. And she said that she felt guilty, that she didn't think she was there enough for me. But because I was so sad, she almost didn't want to be around me because she was upset herself to see me that yeah. low. And yeah. it was really emotional hearing her say that because I never would want my sister to feel guilty or regretful of how she, how she was with me because yeah, it was cool. for me to look after myself now we're able to be open and actually COVID has made us a lot closer because now we're able to FaceTime all the time and connect a lot more and we've realized now that we've lived so far apart the moments that we have together are going to be a lot more special as well yeah um, yeah so true but moving to Australia this is kind of why I moved to be honest I was going to say like what what is it that kind of brought you out of that so I needed a reason to kind of put some fun back into my life I had worked through a lot of my grief going to a therapist I knew that I just needed to get up and do something now I had processed the thoughts I had done the depression of like not really wanting to get out of bed but I knew I just had to do something maybe quite radical and quite different but I decided to go like one step further and do about three things all at once, which in hindsight, I think that might have been a bit excessive. But actually what it has done has injected so much like happiness and life back into me that oh. I'm so grateful for having the opportunity that and pushing myself to go and do it. I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney, but it is an incredible yeah, place. It is just full of so much outdoor activity and oh, the, the the expat community is incredible. I had a lot of friends in Manchester, but with the expat community here, it's totally different. Like everybody here who's from England or Ireland or whatever, they don't have any family. So your friends become your family mm-hmm. and you're not afraid to invite someone to a random barbecue. You might go to a boat party that of someone you've never met. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you're welcome to everything. And I think by coming here, I just didn't feel lonely anymore. My friends are going to listen to this. I don't want them to think that they did anything wrong. It's your fault. (laughs) It was just, you know what it's like at home. Completely different. I can go weeks off seeing my friends, even when lockdown isn't happening. We We don't have that sense of like, community with our friendship groups it's quite like things have to be really planned to a t and like exactly we're not very like spontaneous and it's everything takes a lot of effort they're just like i've got friends that have obviously lived in in sydney and stuff and sam my friend has said that like it is completely different and she's always doing something and everyone's always up for doing something exciting they travel like three hours somewhere for a day just to like go somewhere for the day and three hours back but that's normal and like yeah and, and i'm like 
I need to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I genuinely think that kind of environment is what helped lift me out of that depression. Being outgoing and spontaneous and being able to try all these new exciting things. And I could have done that back home. I've learned that now. But when you're stuck in a rut, it's so hard to get out of it. So I pushed myself and in that resilience and that motivation, I've built a really amazing life myself and my family is so supportive because whilst I might be 10,000 miles away they can see that my happiness is completely different to the levels it was at back home so they can't wait to come out to Sydney now they can't wait to come visit me. Do you have any kind of sense of like guilt at all about like leaving your family over there because I always think that like I've got this huge thing inside me where I feel like I need to live somewhere else like I feel like I'm not designed to live here but I'm also like (laughs) I'm like my dad like what the hell do I do about him I've got so many cousins that I love so much and my brothers and my nephews and I feel like it must be really hard balancing those feelings of knowing something's right for you but also feeling that pull back home yeah I think at the beginning I never thought of that because obviously COVID wasn't a thing back then so I was like oh I can see my family time. they're going to come and visit me and I'll probably only stay there for like a year well now it's been two years the borders might be closed for another year and potentially yeah they're saying they might not open until 2022 which will be three years since I've seen my siblings so now I do have a bit of guilt however a few months back it's actually kind of the reason why I set up my grief network. I was having bad anxiety. Knowing that I physically couldn't go home was mm-hmm. making me worried. My nana actually did get coronavirus. She's 83 and she was living by herself and she recovered fine. In that moment, you think, oh my God, I actually can't leave the country. So yeah. I started giving myself really bad anxiety. And I don't know if you get this, but when you've lost somebody, you start worrying so much more that what if somebody else dies? What if? Mm. My dad's had cancer like numerous times um, and he's got it again. But in my head, it sounds awful, but I'm like, my dad's going to die. Like, I think once you've you've experienced how easy it is for somebody to die, because it, it is like, I think shit happens so much and it's so terrifying. In my head, I'm just like, I know that my dad isn't going to be here for a long time. Like, just because he's been ill so much. But yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know if that is just my, like, death anxiety. You know, we'll see. <laughs> I might look back yeah. in 10 years' time, like, Kat, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's a weird thing, isn't it? Like, how do you think you yeah. worry so much more about the people that you love? I agree. I think there's definitely a massive link between grief and anxiety. And I'm trying to read up a bit more about it now because anxiety is something that plays a massive part of my life. And I do try and manage it. Um, especially through things like exercise and I'm trying to do a bit of journaling now. I know you said that you do that. I think if you don't do that, somebody that has been through experiences like we have, you can really find your thoughts spiraling a bit too Mm -hmm. irrationally. Anxiety and like mental illness, especially is something that you really do have to like nurture. Like if Mm -hmm. it's not anything I've I've learned for myself, it's not anything that's ever going to go away. Like I'm going to have this underlying feeling all the time. So it's just like, it's trying to find things that do make you feel a little bit better. And like, and it's acknowledging like, okay, things are getting a little bit overwhelming now. I need to to try and figure out what what I can do to help myself. I think, I think it's when you kind of, it becomes a, a bit more difficult when you live with it constantly and you don't do anything about it and it gets worse and worse. I think it's really good when you've had therapy and you're able to know and like they help you figure out what it is that's making you feel that way and how to help yourself 
So like you've mentioned, obviously, your grief support group and stuff a few times now, but I think it's obviously be a great time to talk about that because I think it's amazing you've moved to Sydney, you're in a completely new place and you've set up something which is going to help so many other people. So like, how did that come about? It came about around the 10th anniversary of my mum dying. What I found so helpful from it is I've actually met a couple of people in the group who are similar age to me, but have also been through such complicated grief mm. through very similar experiences of losing their mum, who also had a mental health condition. So mm. having those people there that have been through something so similar to me has really helped and made me feel less alone. I wish I'd reached out or seen Let's Talk About Loss earlier because when I was in Manchester, I could have gone to it. But it's just those times when you don't see it, do you? Like, And yeah. to be honest, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to go. I think it does take a certain amount of courage to go meet people face to face. 100%. 100%. And now you're creating those spaces for people. Yeah, I mean, it's been really great. And we've got just over 100 members in the private group now. So that's great. So one of the questions that I love to ask people, because I think it always kind of shows how even when we've gone through something terrible and awful, there are also really nice things that we've kind of figured out about ourselves as well. So how has it changed your attitude towards life and the way that you approach it now? I think I've realised I'm actually quite a brave person, that I'm really not afraid to go out there and try my best to do things. I feel so much empathy now. I'm very emotional. If I hear of a friend or someone who's lost somebody, I can really feel that pain. I can actually get so upset. But as well as that, I actually think it's given me such like passion for life. I I really care about my own self-development and helping other people. And I think that is one thing that was missing in that time when I felt low and depressed. I think it's because I wasn't doing anything that made me feel good. But now I've realized I can do things outside of my job. It doesn't have to be that it's part of my nine to five. And by doing things like this, networking with people like you it makes me feel like there's so much more value being added to my life Mm. so whilst my grief is something that is such a pain at the same time I would not be the person I am today thank you so much for listening to the not so linear podcast if you want to catch our next episode make sure you subscribe on either itunes or spotify And if you're based here in Sydney and you would love to attend our meetup groups, check out our Instagram and Facebook pages, which are detailed in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.